Clay is coming home from college. Home to Beverly Hills. Who's he going with? Nobody. <laughs> and to his two closest friends. Do you ever think about me? All the time. Well, you've been away for a long time. I've met a lot of new and interesting people. This is great. The three of us together again, seeing you. Home to the rich. How's MIT? It's weird and stimulating. All you have to do is relax. I'm going to pay you back. All you need to do is trust me. I don't want to trust you, Julian. I just want my 50K, all right? The beautiful. You don't look happy. But do I look good? <laughs> and the out of control. I think Julian's in a lot of trouble. This cannot go on forever. You owe me a lot of cash. What's going on? I'm serious. He disappears, nobody knows where, and then he comes back like nothing ever happened. You've been busting your butt for Julian since day one, and it's a waste of time. Do whatever I can. I'll do whatever it takes. Where is he? What? You. Leave us alone. Julian! Everyone is accountable. Make me understand, Julian. I really want to understand. Sometimes you can have anything in the world your heart desires. Except the way it used to be. Andrew McCarthy, Robert Downey Jr., Jamie Gertz, James Spader. Check me out. I'm going to make a serious comeback. Great. Less than zero. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 93, Less Than Zero. That's right. Kind of a Matt pick here. I was championing this one for a while. Not a great movie, but a fun movie. I'm sure most people haven't seen it. (laughs) I will say, I really just enjoy the title. (laughs) I think Less Than Zero is a fun title. And uh, I love that it's kind of a dystopian version of the Brat Pack movies from the 80s. It's like all those kids from high school got drug problems. Yeah, it's... um, I don't know. We kind of, I guess, first touched on the subject a little bit in the American Psycho 2 listener request episode that we did. Um, which kind of, I guess, whet our appetite for wanting to delve into the world <laughs> oh, yeah. of Brady Sinellis a little bit more. You know, kind of a controversial figure throughout his career and, you know, seemingly nowadays even finding new ways to remain <laughs> kind of controversial. I don't know. His relevancy kind of varies, I guess, depending yeah. on who you ask. There's but. probably a ton of people that care zero amount about Brett Sinellis or yeah. think he has no impact. Yeah, I mean, he really doesn't, but then again, you know, who does, really? Right. I mean, I mean I guess certainly if you, the people on this podcast. <laughs> if you make statements, you know, on Twitter or on your podcast or whatever, I mean, people are bound to pick up on it either positively or negatively. This novel, Less Than Zero, of course, 
not really represented by what we see on screen <laughs> in the 1987 adaptation uh, directed by uh, an English guy who I'd never really heard of, Merrick Canavesca or something. Yeah, I'm certainly not familiar with his work outside of this, I don't think. I mean, in all fairness, especially in, in that time period, I feel like Less Than Zero is kind of an unadaptable novel. It doesn't Unfilmable. Really, it doesn't really lend itself to uh, a movie story-wise and certainly content-wise. Uh, certainly not for mainstream audiences. No. I mean, if you actually filmed what was in the book. The I MP, mean, what is it, the MPAA? Yeah. Well, yeah, they would have probably had a hard time with this. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been NC-17 if you filmed like what was actually in it. There's some pretty disturbing shit. But, I mean, they were able to make a pretty effective adaptation of American Psycho, which is by, you know, has way, way worse stuff in it. But there's also like a story in it that you could just kind of trim the bad stuff down. Whereas Less Than Zero, there really isn't much of a story and so what you're kind of left with was like, well, wh- how do we adapt this? It's another one of those uh, hangout movies. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of interesting scenes going on you in know, the hanging they, out. I think they, they ultimately tried to turn it into kind of a cautionary tale kind of thing. Um, how quickly things can turn. You know, kind of a relationship movie. I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird movie. But we've got some of our favorite kids from the 80s getting back together. Andrew McCarthy, Jamie Gertz, uh, Robert Downey Jr. with a little foreshadowing for his own life here. Yeah. And uh, James Spader, the always lovable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess uh, I'm pretty familiar with the book and I've read it like a few times really was like kind of a big deal for me you know it's probably like the beginning of college but for the sake of this particular show i think we'll try to limit that kind of discussion i mean there will not be passages read on this airing i mean if if we wanted to go that route i mean we could definitely take it to the extreme like we did with it part two um when i read passages from it uh, I think there's <laughs> equally disturbing. disturbing things to be read from Less Than Zero. We're not going to go down that road. I did flirt with the idea of reading the last paragraph from the sequel to Less Than Zero, uh, Imperial Bedrooms, or I don't know if it's pluralized or not. But anyway, th- that paragraph is unbelievable, and I think it kind of sums up the point of the two books. But I think for everybody's sake, we'll just kind of stick to the movie. Just the content. That we see on film. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe I'll reference something here and there, but I think there's a lot that we can talk about just taking the movie, you know, as it is and not worrying about anything else. I know that sometimes, you know, Mister, it, it's a uh, tough road to go down. Know-it-all over here. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you can't help it. You right. know, you're just constantly... No, we hear you. ...going back to the source material. But it's... I will say well, this... Plus, I mean, you're a big fan of Brett Easton Ellis and... A fan of this book, right? So, I mean, well, when yeah. you see in just a garbage adaptation, I understand that it could be kind <laughs> but, of difficult. But the issue, I think, here is that the film is almost so unrecognizable. Like, if they changed the characters' names 
and didn't call it this like less than zero i wouldn't even necessarily recognize it would take me like a while to even like pick up on similarities at all yeah i mean there are some but it's it, it wouldn't be even like that immediate of that a connection about julian written on the wall <laughs> yeah so i will say that i guess from that perspective it's almost easy to kind of ignore the book because it's so different yeah well this movie i guess we should say that difficult transition from page to screen kind of put this movie through the ringer you know in production it kind of took a lot of you know debating on what the script was going to be and apparently the film was like meeting to death they just had endless meetings about different yeah, things it and- is it to be a fly on the wall in those meetings would have been pretty interesting because it is like what they ended up with you're not even really sure what it's about well well yeah i mean <laughs> you know they had like a million test screenings and then they like shot new footage including like the opening sequence right so i guess we could address that now this whole opening sequence which is the only time where you really kind of see any positivity out of the movie wasn't even included in the original cut yeah so this is where we see the characters actually having a good time together being like normal people yeah Yeah. Yeah, because after that it's the movie's devoid of humanity (laughs) And the funny part, though, is it seems like they tried to tone that idea down. Largely, they they kind of ignore most of the parents in this. However, they kind of make Julian's dad a character and, you know, seemingly wanting his son to change his ways and get better. Julian played by Robert Downey Jr. And, you know, he kind of tries some tough love and like kicks him out of the house and then they kind of have this emotional almost you know cathartic reunion uh, kind of reconciling yeah towards the end of the film and it's like you know it's it's making like his dad seem really invested and like caring about what his son does and, and wanting him to change and all this stuff which is you know something that they cooked up for the movie i mean that's it's kind of crazy almost in this like in the rest in the context of the rest of the film it almost seems ridiculous to have that yeah let's just get on to it uh bizarre premise here so we've got the three kids that we know uh graduating high school yeah it's clay played by andrew mccarthy blair played by uh gina gertz or jamie gertz and Julian played by robert downey jr they all are graduating high school uh clay and Blair, the high school sweethearts, and Julian, Clay's best friend, uh, just a power trio cruising around L.A., couple, you know, rich kids, having fun, enjoying life. Uh, Julian, grand aspirations of owning a record label, and we find out that his dad is kind of giving, giving him the initial investment to launch a record label yeah so the initial opening graduation sequence just establishes that their friendship and that julian's post high school plans are going to be to start up a record label with some money from his dad in a normal film this would seem ridiculous i think in the context of this movie we're supposed to understand that these characters are the children of the ultra ultra rich in los angeles i think you know it's not necessarily said in the film but the idea is that their parents are like movie producers, you know, associated with uh, show business in some kind of way and have just, you know, tons of money and are kind of 
more or less absent from their kids' lives, but in this particular instance, you know, Julian's being gifted a large amount of money to pursue some sort of dream with a record label. Right. So we just kind of get this brief glimpse into what normal life was like. Clay goes away to college. Yeah, we get six months later on the screen. Yeah. Uh, So then we have... We cut to Clay waking up in his dorm room. Uh, no underwear, but a shirt on. Yeah, wearing a shirt and nothing else. Quite a move. Bare ass. Right. <laughs> kind of a weird attire for bed. Well, yeah, he's living in New York City. It's not like it's, the shirt is even like long, like he's almost pulling like a nightgown move with a shirt. It's just like a <laughs> it, regular shirt. I don't know. I, I know zero dudes who would do this move. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like if he woke up with a chick or something... Or a dude. That would make some sense. (laughs) You know, if something was happening the night before that got wild, I don't know, but he's just by himself. It's a little weird, though. It's just like, uh, like even if it was some sort of post sexual encounter situation, it's like the one thing you decide to do is just pop a shirt back on. (laughs) But this is where we kind of have that quick jump in tone because now we're, we've left sunny California and we're in the, cold bleak winters of the northeast in new york city yeah he's basically gone to college as far away as possible do they say it's new york city i believe they do yeah okay because it's definitely not in the book (laughs) is it not okay (laughs) but (laughs) i immediately reference the book (laughs) my memory is they do say but he has like a huge dorm room and kind of like it almost seems like the bedroom of a house which is like his dorm his dorm room doesn't seem rich kids i mean yeah, he's got a private dorm. He might just dorm. have an apartment. Yeah, it could be. So he gets a phone call kind of unexpectedly from Blair, and this leads to... And she you know, is just kind of checking in to see if he's coming home and all of this stuff. We don't really know uh, the backstory of what's going on with this phone call until we get three flashbacks. Um, <laughs> kind of an interesting way to piece together the start of a movie. Yeah, the first flash... They're all very quick, but the first one is... Uh, Blair telling uh, Clay that she's not going to college. I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume that maybe she was going to go to the same college. I don't know. Or go to New York as well or go to the same area. But yeah, she's decided to instead pursue her modeling career, right? Yeah, she's done some light modeling (laughs) and she's (laughs) stepping into that world and she doesn't want to leave. Right. Things are going good. Clay is kind of disappointed and upset by this news yeah i mean he berates her a little bit he's he doesn't think too highly of this career choice no uh (laughs) then we cut to an airport scene with julian kind of seeing clay off i don't even know why this scene was particularly necessary we needed one more scene of them being like normal friends and then we cut to i guess just a couple weeks earlier (laughs) for thanksgiving yeah we'll talk about this and clay has shown up back in LA for Thanksgiving and catches Blair and Julian in bed together and he like throws these flowers at them and then yeah that's all great. we kind of get right from that trip we don't really know how all that played so that out. was Thanksgiving break and now Clay is coming back for Christmas break uh so as Zach and I were discussing in college time there's not usually a huge gap yeah between maybe those like two. two weeks but a lot has really changed i guess since the summer i mean well yeah they well they constantly like reference clay's absence from los angeles he's as, been gone for like a few months and a- a- acting like as if it's been years 
especially when you find out that he, you know, when you realize that he was there just a couple weeks earlier for Thanksgiving, which, you know, isn't as long of a break from college as Christmas, but it's still like a, you probably was going to be in LA for like a week almost or something like that. So it's like, it's something that I can't get out of my mind every time I watch this movie is how much the actors, particularly uh, Jamie Gertz, Blair, is just acting like how much time has... Uh, oh, I feel been, like Julian is just as guilty true. several yeah, it's times. Like, you've been gone. Everything has just changed. We don't know what to do without you. It's like, you didn't just leave me. You left both of us. We're, we're dealing with this abandonment. I mean, Julian, his record label, sometime, somehow in just a few months... Went belly up. He borrowed thousands and thousands of other dollars, I guess. Lost that. I mean, you feel like he would have had a little bit more support to last a little bit longer than that. Yeah, well, we never really get the full story as to yeah, what Yeah, I guess going you can make there. some... You can draw some conclusions that he might have just blown everything, like, on drugs. Well, certainly the money that he seemingly owes rip Rip, which we'll get to in a minute so clay returns home to his bedroom he has another message from blair which now between the phone call at the dorm and now this message it's like what the fuck is going on because clearly their relationship is in some sort of state of limbo and now he's just showing up and she's all over his nuts and And he's he's like uh listen you bitch i don't really (laughs) want to talk to you you were screwing my best friend yeah it's kind of a lot to process but like I mean, I will say, he does seem a little bit confused himself about what's going on. Although, yeah. he's holding out hope a little bit that he's going to get another shot at this, it feels like. Yeah, well, his whole, like, I would say that throughout the entirety of the film, Clay kind of wavers back and forth as to what exactly his intentions are and what he hopes is happening and hopes to accomplish. Like, it's so hard to get a read on him. He seemingly changes his mind from scene to scene sometimes within the scene right and it's kind of hard to keep up with with both her and julian really yeah it's it's kind of a mess which in all fairness to the movie you know is not that unlike how real people act unfortunately you know we're accustomed to how films portray people and portray relationships and it's you know usually it's kind of simpler to understand characters motivations uh, from any given moment in a movie whereas this although potentially more realistic kind of is harder to translate into an enjoyable viewing experience because right. you're kind of just like i can't figure out even what's happening at any given moment because clay doesn't really sell his emotions too right. much so yeah. when he changes his mind back and forth it's kind of like not a lot different it's, you know it's just kind of <laughs> like the it's just the s- neutrality yeah, it's and which is, you know, true to the character of Clay, I think, from the novel, but like again, kind of what makes it unadaptable is kind of the ambiguity of the central character where you're right. just kind of like he he's almost like a nothing. So I think, you know, McCarthy was like trying to bring things to the character and it just kind of ends up making it even more jumbled and confusing. Right. So then he you know, Clay decides to go, he doesn't call Blair, but he goes to a party, which presumably he knows that Blair will be at. Um, Just insane 80s parties. I mean, is this the... TV monitors everywhere. Oh, just, right. It seems like straight, like MTV planned and financed this party, basically. Yeah. You know, we're kind of experiencing the height of excess. It's obviously the, you know, the crazy 80s, and these are all like the rich kids with money to burn. 
Uh, Brad Pitt in the background, uh, very briefly, like a you know, it's referred to online as a cameo. Which I, I hate. don't really think I it's know a cameo. We this. Yeah, it, it is not a cameo when someone before they were famous had a bit part or had an extra part. Yeah, in a movie that was a cameo. All right, I yeah. caught him. Uh, I actually watched the movie twice to prepare. I caught him the second time. I didn't, I didn't right. see him the first. So then, now the first person that Clay runs into is Rip, played by James Spader, who I have to say kind of plays this role perfectly. Kind of like the the defi- like a definitive Spader role from this time yeah. period. Just this menace. <laughs> uh, he doesn't seem physically imposing, villain. But, yeah, he's just so like awful. And he kind of has that like charming way about it too. It's kind of like it's interesting to 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 gauge what is going on here. I, I kind of wrote this note several, and I could have written it several points throughout. Which but which is, one is it? Aren't I, these people just eighteen? I know. 19? Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, Rip seems to have built an empire in the six months since high school. Yeah, and it's just kind of like his, not just like what he's done, but the way he acts is very. Even, well, uh, Everybody's kind of pretending to be adults He's in a like way that's kind of bizarre. Seemingly so connected too. I mean, who are all these vagrants that he knows? <laughs> vagrants <laughs> with well, some just real dark kind of needs. Well, yeah, he's kind of entered some sort of criminal underworld that we don't really fully ever understand, but we only see flashes of throughout. Um, he kind of has this bizarre relationship with Clay before any of the trouble with Julian is revealed to Clay. Yeah, kind he of, certainly kind of acts a friend to Clay, it seems. He's kind of like, oh, you got out of here. You're not here with all these like trash monsters or whatever. Yeah, I think he's kind of got... I think Clay at this point is kind of seen as a respectable person because even somebody as shitty as Rip understands that Clay is kind of doing the noble thing and pursuing a college education to, you know, go after something on his own rather than just living off of his parents' money, which is seemingly what everyone else is doing. Right. And, you know, I think Rip, who is, you know, maybe doing horrible things, He's still doing horrible things on his own. He's like, an he entrepreneur, sees certainly. Yeah. As somebody working hard as well, and you know he offers like some coke to Clay. You know, maybe trying to put his hooks in there. But yeah, I mean, he he, he kind of is respectful in a way here that kind of you know falls away later as things kind of come unraveled. But so this is like our introduction to Rip, and then not shortly thereafter, uh, Clay find you know tracks down Blair who's upstairs. Uh, yeah, Blair I, just kind of seeming out of it, not really acting like a normal person at all. Yeah, I mean, her. I would say like Clay. Good to see you. Like, How you doing, bud? I would say that like Jamie Gertz's portrayal of this Blair character is probably more in tune with the script and like accurate for what they were looking for. Um, it does have a little bit of nuance to it. I think like. It's easy to like blame her for not being great in the movie, but when you actually like look at what the script is and like what she's supposed to be doing and what her character might be feeling at any given moment, like I think she does a pretty good job. I will say that I've always had a pretty big crush on Jamie Gertz. What's I don't know like, how yeah. it started because I don't even. When it's we... hard to really. Re- she seems like she's someone I know. 
But when you go back and you're like, how many things have I actually seen her in? Yeah, I know. She's just kind of someone that's around. She's got like those insane like rabbit teeth. But they're oh, like yeah. really sexy though for <laughs> right, some reason. Yes. Like her front two teeth like are stick way down beyond like the other ones, you know, like which is a look that works well. Yeah, somehow it all works. Um right. I was thinking about writing like a haiku poem about Jamie Gertz Please. to read, but I didn't write it. So. Well uh, Is she on Twitter? I don't know. She we did look it up and she She's married a billionaire. Shockingly, yeah, loaded. <laughs> so she's doing okay for herself right. nowadays. She still looks good. Yeah, I mean, maybe like her most well-known thing is probably her one episode arc on Seinfeld as the <laughs> yeah. sex phone operator That's right. that couldn't spare a square. Some people know her from Twister. <laughs> Some people. Yeah. So Clay immediately goes in for the kiss, which is kind of bizarre. I will say that her hair looks ridiculous in this scene. Um, it's like super curly, which is right. not, for some reason, it's not really a great look for her. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking about just like the people who like aren't dating, but just kind of kiss as a hello. This you know, is a little bit more than that. Though. I know, but I was just thinking about that in general. Like you see that in movies and stuff, and it's just like I can't imagine ever doing that. <sighs> I could. I I think I could do it with a chick. I mean, it would. Be, it would be. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking about doing it with your dude friends. Well, people do it in like Europe. I yeah, guess. Yeah. No, I know, but I, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. I I. I I guess I've had it happen in some form, but it's never my instinct to just lean in and give someone a peck. Like, yeah, it is good to see strange. <laughs> so this is where we get uh, the story that Julian's in trouble and kind of laying it all at the feet of Although, Clay to fix everything. Blair even though she's not can't come out and say yeah, it. She, she won't s- specify the what bush. the she's trouble like, even is. Talk to Julian. Can you talk to Julian? And she kind of keeps bringing that up. And he's like, no, I don't want to talk to Julian. You do understand that he was my best friend and he was banging my girlfriend, you. I mean, yeah, the whole like what reality of what's going on between the three of them is something that's like always underneath the surface. But none of them ever come out and like directly address it. Right. Which is also very strange. And it's something that isn't really clear to the viewer until much later in the movie, it's you're kind of like, well, what has been going on with Julian and Blair in the meantime? Was it like they got caught, the, like the whole thing's up, and we're not doing this anymore? It's hard to say, because I don't think you expect that they were actually like dating, but then Julian kind of reveals later that he thought that they were. Yeah, and now that like Clay has come and stolen her back or something, but right. I mean, that's almost like irrelevant by the time you actually <laughs> get to it because it's kind of like who cares. Yeah, but one of my favorite quotes here was Blair saying, "Do you ever think about me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of many examples where it's like I think about you not infrequently. Two weeks ago, I walked into your uh, loft apartment. You were in bed. Uh, boning my best friend and i <laughs> threw flowers at you that is not something that uh is easily forgotten <laughs> do you ever think about me right. it's acting like years have gone yeah. by and even if they had i mean who wouldn't yeah. <laughs> blair also does some cocaine here uh julian shows up now later uh he's wearing eyeliner throughout the film which is just kind of a crazy choice i think 
in it's this, a lot of uh, I mean, it fits glam rock. I mean, it fits like Downey Jr., but it doesn't really mesh with anything else that his character does True. other than like drugs. I guess I, I don't know. He doesn't really dress like. I guess he he just fancies himself be... a cool dude. You know, he's in that <laughs> L.A. club scene. So much to Clay's chagrin, the three of them exit the party together. Is this I think the it's first just, driving around in the convertible scene? Yeah, I think it's important to reiterate that at most we're talking like a few months have gone by. Right. But again, they're acting like this is an insane trip down like nostalgia lane of something Let's that they haven't the done in years. Let's get the gang back together and do this thing that we used to do, which is just drive around the streets of L.A. late at night. I mean, Julian is all fucked up, which is kind of, you know his deal throughout the movie. Yeah, Julian he is falls certainly out of the car. a handful. He's yeah. mostly, he seems like he would just be annoying to have around. So it's not until they get to like this restaurant and Julian's off doing something that like Blair finally kind of gives a little bit of the backstory as to what's going on with Julian, not about their relationship, but this is when she says that like he tried so hard with the record label and then it lost all the money. And then, you know, he borrowed more money. And so she's she's not exactly getting super specific as far as, like, we'll find out later. But this is the first time that, like, Clay's even getting a story. Because at this right. point, she's been begging him to help Julian. And yet, he he doesn't even know what exactly is happening. He's kind of She's kind of, like, laying a guilt trip down on Clay as if it's He's his like, responsibility. Why should I feel guilty? What did I do? <laughs> and then it's like, uh, so Julian, he's just kind of, like, running around town... I don't know. There's always like this hurried feeling with him, and it's kind of like I guess like the drug part is playing into that. But it's just like right. He, it's he's very squirrely. He's kind of just like bopping into these clubs every night, like seeing people that he knows. I don't know. Everyone knows who he is. Well, I would say that like about this point in the movie, it gets kind of hard to differentiate like how much time is passing that we're seeing. Like, is everything happening in the same night or like how many nights are going by? When does Christmas actually occur? Because when I was like making notes, I had started writing a bunch of stuff down that I thought was happening on Christmas. And then like 15 minutes later, they're like, oh, today is Christmas. And I'm like, oh, this is so that wasn't even Christmas that I was writing stuff about. It's just like, it's, the time gets very hard to like follow here because now like suddenly they're kind of at a club. They run in these same circles with the same people. Rip is there. This is when he gives more drugs to Julian. Although, at and this we point, first find we hear the number now fifty k. Right, that's what we hear from Rip. This is how much money that Julian owes somehow. And this is bizarre, which I, I guess we kind of figure out that maybe Rip had some ulterior motives here. But in this conversation. It does kind of feel like he believes that Julian is going to be able to get this money in some way because he's even like, all right, yeah, I'll give you another free bump or whatever this is. Well, but we kind I, yeah, of figure but I think out. He kind of, I think he kind of has like the idea of what he wants to do probably right. by this point. Yeah, I would say um, too. Blair in this scene is looking like an early 90s Elaine Bennis, like with her curly hair and like hair wall and then like kind of a female business suit attire almost like the sports jacket look. Almost like shoulder pads looking. It's kind of a crazy look to be wearing out like to the club. And, you know, almost immediately like their interactions start to take on like a sexual thing and she seems like she wants to play games with clay and 
at this point which, in time, uh, plays just seems be like willing. enough. I just really don't want to do this. I mean, if you were Clay and you thought maybe you were going to get it going again, like okay, I need another shot at this thing. I don't like. I I, I got left off as kind of the loser here, and I don't want to go out like this. But once this starts like unraveling like this, I would just be like, forget it. I don't even want to mess around with this. Yeah, I could meet like a nice girl back in New York and forget about this and not even have to run in these circles. Like I could maybe find something to do there over the summer and not even come back. I don't need to be a part of this. This seems like a bad scene. But, you know, I guess he is kind of in love with Blair and he's still like loyal to Julian. Kind of one of the, one of my favorite exchanges of dialogue happen at this club which is seemingly all in the same night from the first party i don't know but i think like clay says something like i don't know i'm not even sure how it starts but blair's like i'm not sad or something and clay's like yeah but you don't look happy and she's like but do i look good (laughs) and she says it like in a weird way looks are all that matter and uh i i did point this is where i wrote down about her teeth but okay we already talked about it (laughs) yeah i just think like i have a note here Talk about Jamie Gertz's teeth. Yeah, and she has like a surprisingly like sneaky big rack that is hard <laughs> to like. Sneaky big rack. Well, because like it's hard to gauge a lot of the time. That's true. But That's occasionally you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like, I will say, she's like rail thin in the movie right. when you actually like see what her like legs and arms look like. And you're like, Jesus Christ, eat something. But then she's got these massive boobs. Yeah, it's quite a combo. Now, <laughs> when they. I don't know. I mean, you you have some notes written down, so you you probably remember the order better than me. But when do we get to the two of them kind of rekindling sexually? Uh, Pretty quickly. I will say. Well, because that is pretty erotic. Well, Clay, (laughs) I think Clay at this point feels like he may have misinterpreted Blair's initial call because he thought, I think what we're supposed to take from this is that he took her phone call at his dorm room and then the message as... She wants to get back together. You know, she's probably not somebody that's good at talking about their feelings and like owning up to their mistakes, but maybe she feels bad about what happened and she Yeah, she never it. really addresses this as a mistake. No. <laughs> but like I think from her perspective is she loves both of them but loves Clay more as like a boyfriend. Right. And she was lonely and sad. Yeah. But imagine being uh that dude like She's just lonely and sad, and you're available. I mean, talk about the jackpot. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but, yeah, because right after the but do I look good part, Blair is, like, silently crying while watching Clay dance with another girl. I don't think it's out of jealousy. The way that, that I wrote that sentence down makes it seem like she's jealous that she, he's – it's just what happens to be happening in that moment. She's more crying, I think, about the situation in general. Right. But again, we never really get any explanation from anybody about what anybody's feeling at any moment. It's just, <laughs> just kind of like a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> right. It uh, doesn't feel like there's a lot going on beneath the surface for Blair. So but I guess fi- we get it here. Yeah, I mean, finally, like the next day, we get like an absurd playground scene between Clay and Julian where they kind of have another, yet another talk about memory lane kind of thing and guess, it's just like acting as if man remember back in the day and it's like three months ago yeah they're talking about like how crazy it was like when they were in high school and like the kids that like were in the grades younger than them and how they were like the boss you now, know when they were seniors or whatever and it's just like 
it's very bizarre that they're talking like this just in general but yeah i mean julian just a mere months after being in high school by the way did just drive to this park and slept there right right well i think at this point as the viewer we don't know what's going on exactly but yeah that is presumably what happened right we don't i don't think we even know that he's been kicked out of his house yet that's true which when we get that sequence yeah i don't i I mean i i don't really know why they added in the stuff about julian's family but it 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 only it only really annoys me i think they wanted you know the idea that the people making this movie probably saw the idea that these were like supposed to be their kids and they were like well we can't seem like that we can't make all of the parents that awful right. but I, I which it is a fun scene though when he goes back to his house and his brother just flips the fuck out i mean his brother kind of looks like what you would see in an 80s movie like a a, a kid a, a student who would be like on the wrestling team that's kind of what he reminds me of yeah <laughs> but he just like flips the fuck out and i guess we're he's like get out of here God, don't you come back which i guess we're just supposed to take it like you know the family is just sick of him doing whatever. He's probably been stealing stuff to pay for the drugs. Well, we find out later that he already went through rehab and like faked his way through it and, you know, just breaking trust and lying and, you know, typical like drug addict behavior. Right. Before we get to Julian sneaking back into his house and that whole thing, we also get like we see uh Blair modeling and then clay asking her or she asks clay if he wants to go out that night and clay says no no i'm good pretending to be strong which of course seemingly only lasts like five seconds uh julian hits up his uncle for money before trying to go home kind of an odd scene he's got like this whole nightclub plan right uh where he's gonna buy this nightclub and supposedly get like such some like good deal on it the odd thing for me about this scene is at the end of it, Julian and his uncle are going to go do drugs together. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you see like why there's like a weird bond there and why he thinks that he can, you know, hit up his uncle for money uh whenever the family's kind of turned against him. But we see uh, another this is like the only time we see this, but it's like a brief window into Blair's life cuz she I guess lives at this loft. I was having a hard time figuring out who even owned the loft for like half the movie. But like she stops in at like her parents' house and it's just like an absurd mansion. It's like the biggest house you've ever seen. It has like an insane oh, right. pool. And she's like dropping off like a Christmas gift for like her dad or something. Yeah, it's weird because I, I I would think about this movie and it's hard to even remember that her family is in it at all. You don't you see that woman come out, but I, I don't even know if that's supposed to be like her mom. I think it's oh, like right. maybe her dad's girlfriend or something. But it's kind of like oh, okay, so Blair is super rich and her dad seems you can hear him talking through the door to her. He doesn't come out. He seems like nice or yeah. whatever, but there's no real relationship at that point it's just like his interest in his daughter's life is like minimal and i thought this was like you know in my uh, you know interpretation of what was happening i kind of thought oh this might be like christmas eve or something because she's dropping off this present he doesn't even come out to see her i thought uh your interpretation would be like right that's your daughter and you have no interest Well, I mean, maybe he's got to stay in that other room. He can't come out. He doesn't want to get sucked in. (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so then we, we're at like another club, and this is when we first see Rip have like his muscle. This guy, uh, Mark Bowen, I think is his name, or is yeah. it Michael Bowen? Well, this is weird. Yeah, hold on. Actually, I have his. It's Michael Bowen. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played Targus in Jackie Brown, a movie that we did recently. Right. We obviously didn't know he was going to be in this one as now, well. Now it's weird because I, I see this credited on Wikipedia in the cast that his character's name is Hop. But yeah, and in the credits as well. Well, in the movie, every single character just calls him Bill. Yeah, I don't understand. That. It seems like there was some sort of an oversight there. Right. <laughs> No they, one cared. They changed his name to Bill at some point, but then didn't change the credit or something. Well, it is weird because if he if his name was Hop, you have Rip, and his right-hand man's name is Hop. <laughs> that would have been a weird Maybe that's why they changed duo it. there. Yeah. Clay shows up and kisses Blair. Presumably, this is the same night that she had asked him out, and he said no. So <laughs> he changed his mind again. Dialing that back. Julian in the mix. He shows up. Rip and Julian have like kind of their first public issues because obviously we got we understood the menace the first time they interacted now we're actually seeing that yeah whatever's going on between them is dark and the key part uh, yeah the key part here is julian's whole plan to get the money from his uncle has fallen through his uncle says I spoke to your father i'm not giving you any money basically well that hasn't even happened yet oh really because i thought oh at the no, one this part, is, this was like all before. Yeah, I mean okay. that doesn't happen for like a while. I thought the I thought that's when the real problems start with Rip because he talks to him. And he's like, I don't have any money for you. No, this is the first time that we we get. I mean, Rip and Julian have like several obviously altercations, right. but this is like just the first one where it kind of gets like a little crazy. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. But then Blair and Clay These start kind like, of bleed together. Yeah, Blair and Clay start passionately making out, which leads to them like making out in his car in the middle of the street. Like it just they're driving and then he stops. Oh, I know. And it kind of sets up like this cool shot of the car in the middle of the street and then all these motorcycles drive around them. It is a cool shot, but it, it seems inexplicable. Uh, no like, basis in reality. No. You know, she's I'll just be like laying on my horn, like, Will you please drive? <laughs> she starts uh they start driving, she's giving him like a road handy. Um, which leads to a sex scene where she's wearing like Just a, a, a leather at night. Yeah, like a, they're having sex back at her loft, and it's she's very, on top. Uh, and top Gun esque, almost a lot of silhouettes, kind of. Well, yeah, well, yeah, a lot of '80s sex scenes are very much like this. But right. she's wearing like she's on top, and she's got a leather jacket on, but she's not wearing it. It's more like it's draped over her. So that it's like conveniently, I, yeah, that makes no sense to me. I forgot about that. It's conveniently like covering her chest, but also like the sleeve is dropped down so that it's like covering, you know, the point of insertion, right? Conveniently, which yeah, and it's it just seems an absurd. Like, oh, like, why would anybody have this leather jacket draped over them while they sex? have sex? Yeah, it's I, so I, stupid. I, right? Either party involved would be like, let's get rid of this thing. It, it makes no sense. Like if if they didn't want to, if you know, obviously, uh, she, especially if you're getting sweaty or something. Too. She might not. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe Jamie Gertz wasn't down for doing nudity or whatever. So but it's yeah, like that's fine. We'll just but, go under a blanket, right? Then. Like, we something can make like it make realistic. more sense than this. Like it's just bizarre. Like it's trying. I, I feel like between this and then like the wannabe iconic sequence of the motorcycles going around the car, it was looking for like 
it was trying way too hard to have like these artsy looking things uh, right. happening and it was just like bizarre yeah this is whenever julian sneaks back into his house that's like the next morning we kind of covered it so then clay and blair are nude in bed like the next morning i found this now sequence they're nude to be leather like, jacket nowhere to be found i found this part to be like really hot i do think that like jamie gertz for whatever reason, I, I I noticed this like in all of the makeout scenes, and then in this scene where she's kind of like licking his neck, she seems really good with her tongue. Yeah, she's, she's got a lot of tongue action going on because she kind of did talent. the same thing. She does like a similar thing in that episode of Seinfeld, like at the very end, whenever she is like yelling at Jerry and she's not gonna come. Or, she's like, "Don't call me anymore," and then she looks over at Kramer. And she's like you, uh, and she she switches to that other voice, like her right. sex, and she's like you either, and she does that thing with her tongue, <laughs> <laughs> which is an unbelievable yeah. moment in the history of television for me. Right, one of the that. great uh, tongue actresses of our time, Jamie Gertz. She's got, I mean, between her like you know unique smile with the teeth and then like the tongue, there's a, a lot going on in Jamie Gertz's mouth. Really, yeah, just some. I'm a true- fan kind of method acting that went into this i'm sure but the whole point of this scene is that rips guy bill who i think we'll just call him bill yeah that's fine i think that makes sense he shows up looking for julian at blair's apartment yeah just walks in it's funny this part he has when he's leaving he has a line where he's like you're blair i don't know you like looking at (laughs) kind of almost like he's like it's like sexual. I don't know. It's like wanna be tough, but it comes off as like real weird. Yeah. So now they're like, all right, well, we got to find Julian. They find him on this. Although ju- I will say, it, it is a little bit undersold. They're definitely like, okay, well, that was weird. We got to find Julian. But I feel like if I was Clay, I would have been like, what the fuck is going on? This dude just walks into your loft. You kind of act like it's not that weird. I think like maybe by this point, and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but maybe. Clay is kind of putting the pieces together right. like that he's not he was given part of the story by Blair and now he's kind of seen Rip acting weird. I think the public incident, I think Clay was there for, for uh-huh. the previous night. So maybe this is all getting pieced together cuz I think that Bill guy might have been there too. So I don't know. I mean, it I think realistically it does still seem like a lot of this would be a mystery to Clay, but maybe he is doing a little deductive reasoning and, yeah. and figuring out the story piece doing by a piece. Little, uh, detective work himself. So they track Julian down sleeping on the beach. He's like on this giant rock. Um, <laughs> Just curled up on it. This is where Julian reveals the whole thing about like apparently like him and Blair were more than just like a one-time thing. Well, even almost angrily he's kind of like uh it's like passive aggressive yeah he's giving him shit about it a little bit like yeah and he's like oh you kind of makes it you swooped in and stole her back it's like swoop you're talking to me about a swoop well he's like yeah and he he makes a joke about like stealing her back and that this will just go on for years and it is funny because clay is just like what (laughs) his like reaction to that is kind of like real it's kind of just like what he doesn't even understand what he's talking about Julian says some insane shit, uh, more acting like so much time has passed. He refers to Bill as an old friend, and <laughs> and Clay, for once, is like, dude, I just was gone for a couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this, old, you have old friends that I don't know? Yeah, and he's like, well, Your old a lot friend has changed. just like marched into Blair's loft. 
while we were nude. And Julian, I one th- one quote that I wrote down here that I thought was pretty good was Julian says something along the lines of like, "Watch out for the sharks when they're like leaving the rock," and Clay says, "What about you?" And Julian says, "They know me," <laughs> well, which I think is like a pretty good you know double entendre about yeah. what they're talking about. Uh, this is okay. So after this, this is like Clay is having this bizarre family dinner that Blair is invited to. This is when I thought this was Christmas. A fun scene, though. So this must be like the Christmas Eve dinner, right? I don't know. We got to be right around that time. Maybe, I don't know. But It felt like Christmas wasn't happening until the very end of the movie. This is a fun sequence that I never uh, caught this this little part of until this most recent viewing that Clay's dad kind of gives up gets up and gives a little speech it's not very inspiring for anybody he's basically what you're supposed to kind of put together is he's thanking uh clay's mom for having everyone over and it seems like clay's mom has invited clay's dad and clay's dad's new girlfriend that's what i feel like that's what you're supposed to take out of it 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 definitely seems like his parents aren't together clay has little sisters as well they're kind of almost non- factors it, his family is present for this scene but it, it almost feels like an afterthought because you don't really get much of a story here this is when julian finds out he's not getting the money from his uncle and he ends up showing up at rips and just is like smoking crack like out on like the balcony <laughs> just a casual crack smoking situation and so i thought this was christmas and i was like real bleak christmas scene going on at rips <laughs> Like, Rip's Place, there's a people there. There's, like, a silver Christmas tree. It's very, like, 80s California. But, like, somebody just smoking crack on the porch. Real dark. But then, you know, I found out it was not actually Christmas. Not that that really right. improves the scene at and all. It's like, Rip now having to figure out uh, what to do with Julian. So, yeah, so he takes Julian inside, and they're, they're sitting together on this step inside. And he goes... I just want you to meet some people. They're very cool. <laughs> very cool people. Yeah. Anytime you have You'll to have say, fun. Anytime you have to add, they're very cool at the yeah. end. You know that it's a pretty <laughs> no, bad scene. Yeah, don't go. This is uh, Blair and Clay fuck again at Clay's mom's house, like <laughs> just casually outside. Yeah, they're like kind the of terrace. like cutting back and forth between his mom, like playing piano, and then like uh, Van Halen playing while they're fucking <laughs> like outside underneath, just screaming eighties. We kind of figure out that what Julian has to do because we're, we we see a sequence where they're at like turning tricks a motel and he comes out of the motel room and uh, Bill is there and Bill's gonna make like a phone call and then Julian runs away. Bill's just like, "You did good, Julian. We just got a couple more stops tonight and then you'll be done." Yeah, and then he turns around and Julian's run away. I think like they don't come out and explicitly tell us here, but I think like. You'd have to kind of be dumb not to have figured out that Julian is basically being prostituted out for Rip's benefit at this point. I will say that Blair looking real cleavy at the uh, Clay Easton. I I like how they took Easton as Clay's last name. That's true. Yeah. Uh, At the Easton family gathering. (laughs) It's like, whoa. Oh, I know. She's She's wearing wearing like like another one of those business jacket things, but it's like the button is below her tits. Right. You get a full. And you can see she's Interior got like those garter shot. things on her legs. It's like, <laughs> what if Dad got a look at that? Woo! <laughs> yeah, his girlfriend's probably younger than Blair. Right. So Julian ends up creeping up on the Easton family gathering. <laughs> yeah, just kind of 
sneaking around in their yard. I mean, it's like it looks like it's like uh, it's uh, got to be a, in the Hollywood Hills or whatever. It's yeah. And Jul- uh, so Clay goes outside and and, and what are you doing, bud? And, uh, <laughs> and like, Julian's like, I feel like tiny fucking Tim. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's real dark. And he, this is where he finally tells Clay that he needs fifty thousand to give to Rip. This is where the number finally is revealed to Clay, and Clay is kind of just like, I don't, I can't get that much money right away, but let me try. And he goes dad. in and he asks his dad yeah. for the money, but Julian, I guess, doesn't feel good about this, so he or doesn't think this is going to pay out. So, so he again, runs around to another darts entrance. off out into the night. He starts he. No, he sneaks into the house and he he oh, starts pulling right. his routine yeah. with uh, Clay's little sister, who looks maybe like ten. This is somehow better than just waiting to see if his dad will give the money. Yeah, he just steals Clay's mom's jewelry. We kind of get a cool sequence of Clay and Blair driving after him. There's like a thunderstorm in L.A., which I can't imagine happens all the time. So like cool lightning striking over their convertible <laughs> as they're oh, flying yeah. down the highway. Again, I mean. You know, I think this is something that would come up in like any movie from this time period. But it's like a cell phone would just cure like a lot of that's true. The next twenty to thirty right. minutes of this movie, which is like looking for Julian, tracking people down, Rip and Bill Although are I looking do for feel him. Like in a modern adaptation of this movie, Julian would have sold his cell phone. Yeah. Um, it just seems like people are easier to find. Well, they could call places that they know that their other friends are going to be at True. and see if he's there, save some of these trips. Um, yeah, they're like stopping at clubs, talking to bouncers. They run into Rip and Bill. Clay's kind of like, leave Julian alone. Rip is like, Clay, mind your own business. Yeah. You know, it was good to see you, but you're starting to get caught up in this and fuck off, basically. This is whenever I first was like, who owns the loft? <laughs> but I guess it's Blair. It's never really... Oh, right. It was yeah. never clear. It took a while for me to even figure that out. Well, I mean, I guess like it's probably like Blair's dad bought it or something. He's like, here, go live here. Enough. Leave me alone. They end up th- thinking they hit a coyote coming out of a tunnel. It's kind of a very strange bizarre. sequence, yeah. Because then they don't see the coyote, but they're like, we definitely hit it. Although it doesn't, when you're watching the movie, it doesn't seem like they hit anything. Yeah, you're like, what? They kind of get into a heated argument here. I do think that Clay has a good line when he's like, all you need is a better cut of cocaine. Uh, They're basically yelling at each other in an abandoned tunnel. And, you know, I think you pointed this out as well when we were watching it the first time. There are never any cars around in Los Angeles, apparently. One of the most busiest traffic cities in the United States they're just driving around. They're the only car on the road at any time. They can stop and make out whenever they want. Yeah, well, they, if yeah, they hit a coyote, just, they can just stop. Yeah, they're get stopped out. in this tunnel, and then they get out of the car, and then they have time to have this whole argument. No right. other cars are around. <laughs> so then they finally go back to the loft, and Julian is asleep on the stairs. He's drunk and stoned and armed. He has a gun. Uh, he's got like chalky lips. Yeah, it's very gross. I, will, I don't the whole yeah. like white stuff all over the lips. I really, I will uh, say it's like his appearance unsettling for me. Yeah, his appearance throughout the movie gets worse and worse and worse. And I mean, I will say like you can see like the star quality with Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. I don't know if his like I I think he plays like a great Julian. I don't know if like his his shtick always is on point for this particular script, but. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has like kind of a an energy 
in this movie where you're like, yeah, this would probably be the guy that could be like the big star. Yeah. You don't really I think like also Spader is great in the movie in a oh, lesser role, but I would agree. You don't you're not and Spader I, I, doesn't and I will, seem as uh multi dimensional. It seems like he might have some limited capabilities, though good at what he's doing. I will say, like, I would I will defend uh Jamie Gertz as Blair and even Andrew McCarthy as Clay because I think they were kind of handcuffed by what the movie was trying to do and the script and everything. But you don't you're not blown away <laughs> by either of them. No, this. I would agree with that. Certainly not blown away. So now we get like a withdrawal montage, which very is super gross. fun. <laughs> right? Yeah, very disturbing. Uh, Jamie Gertz, Blair, ready for this. Uh, it's almost disturbing how ready for this she is. So she's been through these nights with julian a few times it seems and it seems like even during this time period of clay or julian trying to get off drugs like clay is continuing to flip-flop back and forth about his level of involvement in what is happening because on the one hand he's like all right this is my friend he needs this amount of money uh i don't know It, it might be hard for clay to get a read on how serious of a threat rip really is but I'm going to reach out to my dad. My family's rich. I feel like I can get this. I might be able to help. But then he steals his mom's jewelry and he's just like, fuck this. And he also fucked my girlfriend. Right. (laughs) The first chance he got. (laughs) Why am I continuing to look out for this dude? But then during the withdrawal scene, while he's, you know, while Julian is just kind of burying his head in Blair's chest uh, in between puking, it's like. They kind of cuddle back up with each other again. What's his face? Clay is a little sentimental for Julian again here. Yeah, it's kind of so. Clay plays a visit to Rip, and Rip is, they they make it like a big point that like Rip has like a cordless phone that he can just drop in the pool. <laughs> it's so like unnecessary and dumb, and it's like it's such a product of the times. Like, isn't this unbelievable wealth <laughs> to have a waterproof cordless phone? But like. You know, he shows up and he's just, he's like, he's like, I'm going to get you the money. Leave Julian alone. Don't deal to him. Don't give him anything. You know, stop harassing him. Blah, blah, blah. He's not working for you. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, Rip does his like usual, like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to kind of thing. And I, I, I did have to la- laugh out loud a little bit at this where he's like, Julian's dead. Forget about him. I'm telling you that as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> just an interesting thing to tell a friend. <laughs> Your other friend is yeah, dead. Don't worry about him. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, Julian's just... I mean, Rip really recognizing Julian for what he is. Just a worthless addict at this point. Well, yeah, I think that's true. But, I mean, obviously, Rip sees an opportunity to exploit right. a weak yeah. person. And this just so happens to be... He doesn't need be, uh, Clay fucking that up. Yeah, I think it's conceivable that, like... I mean, granted, 50000 seems like a ton of money, but it's conceivable that Rip sees a way to use Julian for more than that. You know, like... Oh, yeah. Whatever Julian's value as, like, one of his fucking boys, you know, just SMDs or whatever, <laughs> that that's going to somehow be worth more than the 50000 Cut back to the loft. Julian is nude. Blair is in a power suit. Um, it seems like she's almost like trying to parlay Christmas break into getting pig roasted by these two, her two buddies. I guess so. Like, yeah, I, 
Her whole end goal here is really hard to figure out. Her level of commitment to Julian is also kind of disconcerting for both the audience and Clay, probably. Well, it is weird like, because she's constantly like trying to help Julian get off drugs or whatever, yet dealing with her own addiction. I mean, why don't you look in the mirror, Blair? Um, <laughs> yeah. So... After, I guess, you know, enough time that the drugs leave his system and we finally power through all of that, Julian goes to see his dad again. And this is like that weird uh, <laughs> yeah, emotional moment. It starts right. off like contentious and, you know, accusations are flying. And I think like Julian is, you know, breaking down in tears and kind of just like, all right, well, fuck it then. I guess like I'm on my own and he's like walking away and then like. His dad finally kind of like caves and he's like, can you just stay clean for one week, seven days? And he's just like, I don't know. I can try or whatever. And then they like have a hug and all this stuff. That's not really uh, reassuring. Not the answer I was looking for. And it seems like they're kind of implying that maybe his dad will help him with the money. I don't know. It's kind of unclear. We get... Part there must the- be more of a conversation that we're not privy to. There's a plan to go back to rehab for real this time. Well, yeah, because, I mean, but it, it's kind of bizarre because now it kind of becomes this insane, like, race to Palm Springs. Because first we get Blair, or no, Clay shows up to Blair's loft. Blair's already there. The loft has been trashed, and it says Julian is dead, or Julian gives good head and is dead, like, in spray paint <laughs> on the wall. Um, I Pretty do good stuff. I do love that Clay shows up. Like Blair is like freaking out and trying to like clean it or something. I don't even know what she's doing. She's just like on the ground, and Clay shows up and he looks around and he's just like, "Rip did this." It's like no <laughs> shit. It's yeah. like no shit. Continuing his strong detective work. It's like thanks. This is when they find out that Julian has now gone down to Palm Springs to see rip and to tell him that he's done and he's quitting which i don't really know why he felt this was necessary you would think that or if that this was gonna work you would think that like if your tormentor and like the the person you're in debt to and somebody that's been like basically trying to fuck you up is out of town that this would be like a reprieve and this you would could be like a nice try weekend. to regroup yeah back in town but he's like i gotta go talk to him and then you know i think like we hear a message from like one of Blair's friends or something like they're going down to Palm Springs. So the idea is like this crowd of people Palm Springs weekend. Yeah. I mean, in the book, it's much more like this interwoven group of friends and we're introduced to way more than just Julian Blair and rip. But like, we don't even really see any of them very often in this movie. I think right. Clay talks to some of them. In you Palm see some Springs of the other chicks like doing coke in the bathroom. Yeah, and they have names that match up with some of the names in the book, but they're you know they're not even really characters in the movie. Right. So everyone's kind of like heading out to the desert for this bullshit, and it's like a real scene out there. And this is like <laughs> yeah. finally, I think, like Christmas now. Right, we've we finally gotten to Christmas. No family interaction no. anymore. Yeah. Nobody is like having Christmas with a fa- with their families. Everyone goes to this like seemingly they're all at like some sort of a hotel. And for people that are like supposedly like the one percent of the one percent, this hotel looks kind of shitty. Right. It's yeah. like, is this really where everybody's partying? <laughs> but. This is where Julian, Julian gives goes, the big speech to confrontation. Yeah, yeah, he has a big speech for 
very confident, making all sorts of declarations and promises. And Rip's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, He's like, I've heard all this before. Like, can you, can't you even come up with new excuses? And then Bill walks in and just starts, like, heating up, like, a bowl or a spoon or something. I think, yeah. like, the idea here is, like, I it's never really clear what Julian is doing. Like, I they refer to him as a junkie, so I always kind of took it to be, like, heroin. But it's clearly parts where he's, like, smoking what seems to be crack, but it's never really explained. I don't know all of the ins and outs of heroin use i mean maybe you can smoke heroin too i I feel like it's crack in this movie yeah it's it's kind of bland and it 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 really falls flat for me i think like having him like tie off and shoot up and stuff would be much more powerful it seems like they wanted to make an r-rated movie but puss out at like every they didn't want to go too far yeah and it's insane when you take into context like the source material that they're drawing from you're like th- you thought like this was too much like you know what i mean <laughs> so claire or i mean claire blair <laughs> clay rescues Ju- i combined the- that's like their couple's yeah, name right yeah <laughs> clay like and blair claire uh clay rescues julian uh this is where like uh julian's with like another dude and they both have like their tidy whities like kind of pulled down and he's yeah like, i think tidy blackies be- for uh Julian, maybe. maybe. Yeah. It's like, if I remember. Like, he's like kind of in the process of like blowing a dude. This was like their, probably like their big shocking moment of the movie you right. know, in 87 was like, oh, holy shit, it looks like he's like sucking a dude's dick. Yeah. Um, the guy who was being serviced, like, what the fuck? Get out of here. Well, yeah, like Clay. I'm trying like, to have a time. Clay like pushes that dude or whatever, and that dude's just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and they rush out of there. Blair dumps her blow down the drain, and like these other girls are like, "Oh my gosh, what, are what you a doing? waste!" And then like one goes, "Oh my god, what a waste!" And the other goes, "What a waste!" <laughs> like they didn't even give them a like unique lines. Right. They both say the same thing. <laughs> so we can kind of see that like Blair maybe is realizing that if if they're trying to help their friend get clean, maybe she needs to be clean too. Um, her problem never seemed very pronounced compared to Julian's. She wasn't so it was spiraling out of control. It seemed very casual with her. I don't know. Uh, they have a fight with Rip. And I will say, Blair, for being about 90 pounds and kind of a pushover in certain aspects, is a fucking ride or die. Oh, yeah. She, She's is, like she continues to Ronda jump Rousey. into this fight. <laughs> she gets knocked down so many times. I think she, she may even get punched by somebody either rip or bill and she continues to just get up and bail clay out who's getting beat up several times <laughs> clay's just getting eviscerated he by finally bill. like picks up like this glass pipe or something i don't know what it is yeah it's like a fluorescent sm- light and just smashes it over bill's head and that gives them the, like the opportunity to run out of there they hop in the car with julian and drive away they stop for gas, and I think the implication here is that Julian went into the bathroom and does more drugs at the gas station. Okay. Which kind of I didn't take that. Yeah. Because that he comes sense. out and he falls down. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, what else is he doing? In I don't know. And That's it's like, true. How, does, how do you explain what happens next, which is they're just randomly driving well, around. Well, Clay's making all sorts of promises. He's going to take everyone back with him to New York. Yeah, he's and- like, I got to take all of you out of here. This is horrible. And right. then, like... Julian just suddenly is dead. Like, I don't know if they're all asleep or if they're still just driving, but... <laughs> Clay's they... asleep while driving? <laughs> yeah. It's like, in my memory, that's what seemingly is happening. They're just, like, asleep and they wake up right. while driving. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, Julian's dead. Yeah. 
And that feels like the end of the movie. Now, granted, they do have like one more it's scene. It's supposed to be sad, but it kind of feels like a relief. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Julian is just like a brick around the necks of Clay and Blair, especially by this point in the movie where they... They're like, why am I having to go to this party and get into a fucking brawl? Yeah, it's like now fucking Rip is going to be up their fucking ass about this shit and, <laughs> yeah. you know, harassing them. And it's Next thing like- you know, I'm going to be giving blowjobs, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't be too bad for Blair. It seems like she's probably given a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, in that industry, it's just... <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to take from, like, the end of the movie. It's, like, obviously, you know, for people in very, like, white-bred suburbia, like, this all seems like a wild scene. The decadence of it all is kind of, you know, shocking to people. You know, I- I've heard, you know... People kind of like can reference like a Brett Easton Ellis novel as like the extreme of, you know, this kind of thing, like the drugs and sex and, you know, craziness. Like uh, detached rich people who like lack of so depraved. I mean, some of this shit, I mean, this is such like, but ultimately the film is like such a watered down vision of this that it's it's almost unclear it's like did anybody coming into the movie think that drugs were not a dangerous thing you know what i mean like what are it's like is the moral really that simple it's like we know like drugs are bad uh it doesn't seem we didn't really get enough of julian's story to understand how this all happened so we don't even know what the warning signs really are you know we don't know what led him down this path to begin with yeah the whole thing about parents being like absent from their kids' lives is never really like a focal point of the movie. It's kind of just something that the viewer is supposed <laughs> to assume. Other than how quick the parents are removed from these kids' lives, because you are like, well, yeah, okay, you're. Just, I mean, they a couple are months out like, of high school and no one's around, but they never like you know. Yeah, right. They, there's no, never like saying. any kind of you know. There's just a lot there, and it's kind of like you have to do a lot of work on your own as a viewer to even pick up on any of this stuff like well what are we trying to say i think the point of the original novel is is much more beyond like drugs and stuff like that it's you know really kind of just like a lack of any humanity in these people and clay is much more of just a passive figure he's not like heroic or uh no he almost there's times you know where he wants it's almost like he just wants to see how bad something can be. Right. Like, he just wants to see it Observational, with his eyes. yeah. Like, he just needs to, to... Like, there's a girl that shoots heroin that he just, like, wants to see it. Like, he just wants to see the needle just, go in her arm. That is dark. And, like, you know, he ends up at some place where they're watching, like, a bunch of dudes are, like, watching, like, a snuff film. And it seems like it might be real. It's kind of debated and... One of the, he like goes outside at one point because it's like it's so like awful and he can like hear the people being like murdered or whatever is happening <laughs> and like some guy walks out. I, it may even be Rip. I mean, it's just somebody. Like it, the names are meaningless at most of the points, and it's like somebody's like, "Oh, I think it was fake," and then like the one guy like gets all defensive. He's like, "It's not fake," and he like clearly <laughs> has an erection, and it's oh. like, you know, it's just like really fucking dark. Uh, and I mean, there are even worse parts, and it just gets even darker. But it's like, 
this movie, it's just like, all right, well, Julian, the stuff that Julian does in it is in the book, but it's kind of just like, that's what happens to Julian. It's more like, and Julian doesn't even die in the book. Right. So it's kind of just like, yeah, this is what is going on with this dude, and this is what's going on with this person. Yeah, this is- uh, I guess should be pointed out, this movie is certainly not very good. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy watching this movie and it makes me laugh. And I, I do love just like that crazy eighties world, like eighties Los Angeles and just how ridiculous the characters are interacting with each other in this movie. Uh, probably though, the biggest disappointment for me is I do feel like no one knows this movie. I, I, I don't know that any of the listeners We'll be familiar with this Probably movie. Probably not. Which is it, funny, though. It was not a huge movie by This is stretch. like my go-to in-life reference whenever someone starts telling a story like like, like a fake party where you're just, just kind of fe- feels like pandemonium, like people are just getting punched. You don't know what the hell. <laughs> I'm like, what is this, less than zero? And everyone's just like, what? what is that? I don't even know if that's like a great reference example, but... <laughs> I, I don't just feel like that it, party was very less than zero. Like I don't know. Anytime like, that it's just like people are telling stories about like high school like parties where like just weird things are happening. I just always think of this movie. Yeah, I think this movie is like, like it's a, inexplicable things are going on. It's like a snapshot of a certain time. It works better as kind of like a 80s nostalgic thing for the music and the looks and... The, you know the things that people are talking about and the way the TVs and the phones look and the cars and everything you know it's very like of that moment you know and obviously it's something that doesn't really exist and could never really exist now just with changes in people and technology and whatnot but um it is what it is i don't i don't think it's it's probably not nearly as terrible as its kind of reputation but there it's hard to find i've certainly seen worse movies it's <laughs> We've covered worse. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's but it's you know, it kind of just it it kind of just has like uh, it kind of falls short of of yeah. It's really it's having hard any meaning. to see like what the redeeming qualities are beyond just Jamie Gertz. Yeah, I, I I'll never pass down the opportunity to see Jamie Gertz and things. I'm glad that you know she married well and is is doing you know so great in life at this point. Yeah. All right, um, so that's less than zero. We're certainly not going to spend any time talking about the length of the episode. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how long this was. Um, we're not talking about it. So yeah, uh, as always, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. We'd love to get some interaction going on there. It's been kind of dead. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm doing what I can, but most of the time it's too depressing. Seriously, to we anything. have invested so much money in this podcast we're kind of on a julian type trajectory at this point <laughs> I, I, owe, I owe somebody like fifty thousand dollars I've, I've been like blowing dudes out, out behind that dumpster oh right by the cater yeah. by the whatever that place is next door so yeah follow us on twitter subscribe to the show on itunes if you have not already it would be great we love you know seeing our downloads yeah kind of go up when we post new apps and uh you know, let us know what you think about the episodes. Please, um, weigh in. You know, it is possible that uh, in the future we may, you know, open it back up for listener requests. I think we kind of talked about this before. It would be more of a 
if we feel like it kind of thing. And I would say in the future, it's possible that the show gets better. Maybe people will kind it's, of find I don't know it relatable, I don't know interesting, funny. This is peak podcast. Really? Less than zero. I mean, yeah, that's a pinnacle app for me. So, All right. So, uh, as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. guys comes in and he's like they decide to pick up the show it's getting made and he's like mm, I think we should hire Bob Saget and he's like are you seriously gonna like change up your show the second the networks picks it up he's like Danny Tanner is Bob Saget which is like so interesting yeah can I take like a two second tangent yeah so let's imagine a world where Posey gets the role oh. Posey gets the role the show is canceled after one season. Absolutely. The Olsen twins fade into obscurity. They don't marry the French president or whatever. Stamos probably never gets a shot again. Coulier falls off the map. That's fine. Alanis Morissette does not record that album. 
True. And Jody Sweeten lives a great life. She's happily, you know, back to where she is now, but she wouldn't have gone through any of those troubles. Candace Cameron probably wouldn't have married the hockey player. And I think... Oh, no, she wouldn't have. Honestly, most importantly, I think we would have never gotten America's Funniest Home Videos, and we never would have gotten YouTube after that. And so we would be living in a totally different world where the internet probably didn't take off in the way that it did. And honestly, Obama might not even be our president at the moment. I think that's it. I honestly, I think that that was America's sliding door moment. That for sure was. That is wild. 